Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and I am thrilled to be in conversation with my next guest, a Brazilian-American artist, consultant, and edge worker based in Baltimore and DC. They're currently taking their practice to Brazil and will be returning very soon. Their practice includes printmaking, installation, painting, sound, video, and performance. Please welcome Adio Calvacanch Foster. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Rob. I'm doing excellent. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time. Uh, it's a long time coming. And um, for uh, for the folks that are undipped, unfamiliar, um, and before we dive into the main topic, uh, could you introduce yourself to the listeners and you know tell them a little bit about your background and maybe early experiences that kind of shaped who you are today as a creative, as an artist, as cultural worker, community, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Rob, for having this amazing platform and all the hard, all the hard work that you do and collecting these amazing stories. <laughs> I see you. <laughs> and so I'm Ariel Cavalcanti Foster, and I consider myself a cultural edge worker, you know, pushing those boundaries, someone that expands, pushes, transforms our current systems um, so that we can open ourselves up to our greatest potentials, you know, really letting ourselves shine. Um, I consider myself an inclusion strategist, consultant, facilitator. I have an art practice in mainly mediums like printmaking, installations, painting, sounds and video and performance. And most recently, um, something that I'm really excited about is that I've just received training in holistic healing practices that have really deepened my embodiment work and my service to others. That's great. Um, yeah, I guess background, you know, going way back, I was born in Brazil and then I moved here and I grew up in Montgomery County. And, you know, I didn't realize it, but until after I left Montgomery County, but it's such a diverse population there. There's so many immigrants, people from all over the world. And so I really was, that's been one of the biggest impacts in my life in my early childhood background. And it just made me really feel connected to other cultures and, um, and people and humanity in, in general. And I feel very Brazilian. I have a deep Brazilian influence and culture. And um, the Brazilian culture is really unique and amazing. It's highly creative, loving, lots of heart energy. And, um, you know, I didn't really get to see so much of that reflected in the U.S. growing up here. You know, I had... Um, the privilege of growing up in a high school that was that represented over 120 countries wow and just a few brazilians so i was really surrounded by um lots of latin americans african americans asians and people from outside of those uh ethnicities and cultures um but I, Part of me still felt like, you know, I was different um, because the Brazilian culture actually is um, similar in in many ways to a lot of these cultures, but very different as well. So 
um, I floated around a lot with a lot of different people. Um, and then later I, I, um, going into college, I felt like I got like a white shock (laughs) (laughs) because like a cultural shock because basically everyone there was white and I just wasn't used to that. You know, um, the only time I was used to just like whiteness was, um, my dad's side of the family, who's all white. And so, um, I understood that, um, dominant culture in my own family, um, but had such, you know, it was like living two lives. Like when I would go see my white family, I wouldn't feel very, um, you know, I'd feel just different. Like this isn't really my vibe, (laughs) you know, but, um, but then going to college, it's like, Oh wow, this is the world. You know, it's like, Okay. And that was, that was shocking. It really opened me up, you know, coming from such a diverse background and then being in such a white space, um, I was able to see, you know, whiteness and see white supremacy. Mm. Um, and so being able to see became kind of like my superpower at the beginning. Um, and around that time, there was a lot of, um, you know, it was just, in terms of my generation, we were just starting to become more conscious of, of social movements and consciousness movements. Um, and so that also, you know, it was all happening at the same time, like my own awareness shifting to look at whiteness. And, um, I had speak, I had, speaking of jazz, we were speaking about jazz earlier. Um, I had an experience that really um, also kind of shifted my my look into this anti-racism work. Um, I was doing a presentation on the history of jazz and how it shaped so much of our American music. And, you know, I was coming in with good intentions. I was coming in to give credit um, to so much um, of the influence of of Black culture, of African-Americans, you know, giving that credit to where it was due and how and how much has a powerful influence in our American culture. And, um, you know, but at the time, you know, I didn't know how to speak about race. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to speak about racism. And so I got called out for that. Like some of the the languages and the, you know, like my, how I felt on the inside did not come out clear. Mm. And that really started a conversation in the classroom. And it started a conversation within my own, within me internally. And so at that moment, I realized that I needed to check my own identity. I needed to check my own whiteness the own, and my, the narratives that I told myself and see how white supremacy shaped me and has shaped our language and our culture. Um, so that really kicked off this work for me. Thank you. Oh, it's, um, it, I don't know why at the end I started thinking of like, when whiteness keys in on something that is ethnic in its roots <laughs> or non-white in its roots, it's like, oh, that's when you have like 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 tacos with that little like metal tray that holds it up. It's like, nah, this isn't authentic. This doesn't quite quite fit, does it? And I think we're, and when we we encounter that thing, whether it's from you know something as like universal as as food, you know, like Taco Tuesday feels real weird, right? Um, 
or something like even more deep and broad, broad, like um, one's music, one's cultural identity in that way. You know, it's I think the way I look at it is it's so pervasive. You know, this idea of like whiteness, it's um, it's very refined because it's been a lot of time to practice it and kind of sort it out. And it keys in in all of these different areas. And, you know, from a cultural preservation lens, all of this sort of different stuff, you have to be very protective. And I like that you had said, like, I had to do sort of this work internally to figure out like your own like situation, taking that step back to really figure out who you are and what your relationship to that sort of area is. Because, you know, I think people just think, oh, whiteness, it only affects, you know, white folks will have it's like no it's it's around it's around <laughs> and it's in these different systems as well mm-hmm. yeah it affects all of us absolutely so was there a moment when you realized your and i'm gonna have this in inverted commas but creative potential like when, it, when was there a moment was there a situation um was there a project or, or something that came along you're like you know, i can go real far i can go far, far with this <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, there was moments in throughout my life. um, And this makes me think about like my inner child, me as a child, because it started off there first, you know, that seed, that spark. Um, When I was in kindergarten, my teacher asked me, you know, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? (laughs) And I said, an artist, like, I didn't even know, like, I didn't know where that came from. I was like, oh, I want to be an artist. Like, I don't even know what it, I guess I knew what an artist was, but you know, it's like a kid at that age is, we're just so connected to our essence that, um, so she was kind of surprised by that. And then she was like, well, what kind of artist? And then I was like, no, like art, like all of it, any, all, you know, and I even knew that I was going to be doing a lot of different, you know, types of art. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm going to be a painter, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it, art was just one of those things that came easy to me that I was always attracted to. And, um, but it wasn't something that like, you know, like one of those things where like, oh, I've been, I've been doing art since I was five and like, you know, protege of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that, you know, um, it, only until college that I, you know, had to make that decision. Like, what are you going to major in that I took that label on and yeah. like took that life path, you know, like I'm going to take kind of like the harder they're all hard. All paths are hard, but like being an artist is just taking that path was really intimidating because it's so unknown and like people don't really understand what it is to be an artist and or what they understand, what they see is like, oh, it's like struggle, like the struggling artist. Like, what do you, how are you going to survive with that? So I was, I really took those rings. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go down this path. Um, and then when I had my first exhibition, and just like every moment of it, like in the studio, studying, taking photos of my artwork and then putting it and installing these tapestries that I was making in the, I basically like turned the art classroom into my studio. Like, I just like, was like, you know what, F it. Like, I'm going to take this corner and just like, I just took up the space. And, um, Cause at that time they didn't, I don't, still don't, I don't know. They didn't really give us like individual studios. So 
Um, and then when it came to my exhibition, you know, just every, every moment of it, just like the the sweat and hard work of putting together the final details of then having the, and then also like having people come in and help you and like seeing how people are so drawn to creativity and yeah. to art and to the art process and, you know, the making of it. Yeah. Um, and so that I also drew a lot of friends together and then the exhibition and showing my work and then talking about my work and reflecting upon it every, every moment of it, I was like, this is who I am. Like, yes, I'm in the seat. I'm in my seat, <laughs> you know? And, um, and then it just took off, you know, I was in Baltimore. So then I just took off in the, you know, in the artist community there, it's just so supportive, so inspiring. It's people are so open to collaborate, to, to see what our future is. And there's such an experimental scene as well. So once I got introduced to experimental music and conceptual art, it was just like, oh, you know, the sky's the limit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a community here to help me and mentors. Um, so I've had many mentors along the way that have also really um, helped my growth as an artist. So I want to I want to go back a little bit and and ask you this question uh, to, to to go back to move forward as they say. So in 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 terms of like you know themes and like main ideas and even the the questions that you may be asking yourself within the 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 process within the sort of incubation the ideation process of I know I want to do something creative and you work in various areas uh, creatively. Like, you know, what are the, the the key themes, ideas, and those questions that you're asking yourself when you're going to embark upon a creative pursuit? So, yeah, I guess it's like continuing on at this exhibition. My first exhibition is when I realized what questions I was asking myself and what energy I was expressing. Yeah. And what I learned at that moment is that I was expressing spontaneity, like, I was expressing like that, that was my question. Like what is inside of me? Um, and it becomes a very subconscious process. It's like, you don't have to understand what you're doing. You don't have to understand what is coming out of you. It's like the, the main question for me to start off is like, just what's inside of me? Like what is untold? Like what part of my perspective is going to fill in the ultimate truth, the larger supreme truth of it all. Yeah. And, and spontaneity and rawness and uh, experimentation um, really helps me open up and let that stream out. So another question is like, what is my channel? You know, I love saying like, everyone's a channel. And so what is my channel? Um, and at this time, I was um, printmaking tapestries. And the way that I was printmaking was dancing over the linoleum blocks on fabric. And so um, I was already doing like performance, dance, movement, installation, printmaking all in one moment. And um, it made me think about like, what is the energy that I'm imbuing, transmuting into the artwork? So you have a piece of artwork that's, let's say it's 2D and there's information there, there's visual information there, but there's also what I feel like there's like, it's like enchanted. It's an enchanted object. I feel like art is an enchanted object with 
literal energy like radiating from the piece. And I saw that in my work. People have said that. People were like, your work's energetic. It's like, that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's like you see a, a, a representation, an image, and you call it energetic. I was like, that's awesome. So I really just ran with that. It's like, okay, like, yeah, what is the energy that I'm putting into to this work? Um, so that is first and foremost, like, what starts um the piece for me um and then there's a lot of different um it starts with me but how how do i relate to the rest of the world around me like how is my perspective maybe going to shine a light on something that's my unique perspective you know that can resonate that can be something that's so common that everyone feels like yes me too or it can be like wow i didn't think about that um yeah i mean there's a lot of other themes that go into my work as well um that i can talk about symbols and culture and nature um so again at this my first exhibition, I realized that I was really drawn to symbols and the symbols and culture, beginning with um, indigenous cultures, like ancient symbols, like like the cross or just like the spiral or the square. You know, it's like, what are the things that are just integrate, integrate, like a part of innate in every human being, in our human story? Um, and I feel like that kind of goes beyond borders, goes beyond cultures. And it um, speaks to, again, this like subconscious language that we've created for ourselves. Um, so traveling, um, a lot of my work is um, inspired by my travels and travels to natural, like nature, um, abundantly nature places um forests jungles rivers the elements um countries that have a rich biodiversity and um nature always comes back to my work plants um the elements and our relationship to to nature and it can go you know like we are nature so these are the again like connecting humanity to something that's grounded and something that's universal something that's ancient and that continues to live on in our in our symbols and um there's definitely like a healing and spiritual like art for me is very sacred um the studio spaces feel is very sacred and there's a lot of healing that goes into creating this work. Yeah. Um, and so that also ties into, into the questions that I ask, like, how can I represent something that's invisible? How can I represent something that's conceptual and um, that maybe doesn't can't be said in words? Right. Like a symbol holds so much information and it's just like it's an image it's a representation of not just a word but a whole concept a whole culture a whole religion you know it's like how can my artwork be a symbol 
for these ideas and these reflections that I'm having within my own internal processes and the reflections that I'm having about society. Um, and so I, I really look to represent um, sacredness and nature, sacredness in the human body, representing the human body, representing um, invisible forces like energy and all of those multiple dimensions. <laughs> so, and thank you, because I, I, I have, I think, three, maybe four more questions, but I at least want to comment on it. Um, going back to one of the things you were touching on with like, like symbols and it's, it's something that can be felt like universal, right? Like, oh, this, this go, goes over, but it gets past like language barriers, cultural barriers. It's like, I know what that symbol means, what have you, I can relate to that symbol. I, I, I've really been thinking from a preservation lens of like, again, the, the importance of if something is this, sure, we can modify it. We can change maybe the definition of a word or what have you, or what something may represent, but generally it's deemed that for a reason. And when we start kind of like shifting what the, the changes that the, what the language may mean or what the, how we're presenting something may mean just cause it's like you're, you're getting rid of something. So, what what are what are some of the conditions and I, and i think you touched on it a bit like nature i heard but what are some of the conditions like the attitudes behaviors that support creativity innovative thinking um i know that i've been in places where it's like i can't write i can't sit here i can't do this this is too much noise it's too much disruption and i find that something that is almost boring so like in doing this this podcast, I've been back and forth to like Philadelphia or New Orleans for whatever reason. I don't know if it's the rocking motion in the train. It just makes me want to pull out the notepad and come up with questions and write down ideas. And that's a condition. And I'm just like feeling in this sort of, I'm headed to the sort of creative contribution place. And it's just, it just clicks on easy. And I can um just like spit out like 10, 15 really good, well thought out questions. Whereas if I try to recreate that somewhere else, it doesn't quite work. What is what is sort of that set up for you? Like how do, what's like an ideal environment for me to get the creative juices flowing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like set, set the stage for us. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, there's a few, there's a few ways, I guess. One is just being relaxed, being in a place where you're relaxed, where you feel like at least for the moment you're grounded and secure so that you can just um, have that foundation to just like let out the whatever is flowing inside of you. Um, so being playful, finding some levity in situations and doing it f like why, you know, like why am I doing this? Like doing it for or you for maybe a larger purpose, like you said, serving community. And for me, like personally though, like I'm just a very um, internally reflective person. And so, like I said, the, the healing and sacredness part of my work is just um, what gives me that stability and that foundation is like knowing that I'm doing this, um, 
to express myself. And that is what's healing about it to, to be spontaneous about it. That like that spontaneity is what's going to make me think about something outside of our rigid boxes and to just, you know, like a lot of times I'm, I'm in the studio and I'm just dancing and I just start dancing and moving or I start singing. And so it's like the body is a really important um, vehicle for me to, to start that engine of like creative juices. Um, And so I'm, connected with my emotions. I'm connected with my, with my body and, uh, curiosity as well. It's like, so I'm here, this is my point X. Um, these are, you know, the ideas that are flowing out of me and what am I curious about? Like, where's this, where's this direction going towards, you know, um, like for me, like these questions that you like, the questions that I ask myself, it's like the invisibility, invisibility, this energy, these symbols, it's like, um, how can I investigate, um, the symbols in our culture? So research is really juicy for me, like investigating, reading, doing research, looking at images and, um, colors also, I'm, I love colors and, and studying light. And so um, at this moment, it's like you're in the playground and you're just like getting your hands on everything. It doesn't have to make sense, you know, like journaling and just asking yourself questions. All of these things for me is a way to just get out and going. Um, and then later on, there comes the process of like, OK, so everything's on the table here how can I start to connect the pieces and make the connections and how can I translate with some, something that's inside of me that's conceptual and doesn't comes comes from the non-language right. and how can I actually translate it? And then that's when like the art technique comes from, that's when your, um, your sketches come in and that's when your, your layouts and your planning um, come in and, and you got you get to see like the sense of it and the editing, you know, editing like, oh, that's a big editing and saying like, no, this isn't for here. Like this piece is about this and these ideas are going to go over here, you know, and like actually and these ideas need to develop some more because there's some art projects that are like instantaneous. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I work in so many different mediums, because some processes are quick and my energy that I'm currently in is like a quick energy it's like it's like a quick sketch it's like sometimes I that's how I got into painting is like the flowing and the I could just like get into this flow state and I think about it and thing was really meditative and I would just paint in a very um expressive and fluid way sometimes certain styles and then like the printmaking it was like very studious and takes many sketches and lots of um research in terms of like the representations and the symbols that I'm going to be using. And so there's some mediums that are take that are longer projects. Like sometimes painting can take one painting can take three years to finish. And so that is where you kind of, um, you know, so this energy of like maybe a quick writing prompt for yourself is like just to get some ideas out. And then you go back and for me, like, and then I go to painting and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get, 
this, you know, channel out and paint, and then I'm going to go to my movement and performance work to, to practice my movement and, and condition. You know, there's some things, techniques and things that you're just doing to stay in practice and stay in, in conditioning. That's good. And, I, and it's like, as I was expecting, you know, I was going to get one of the answers for another one of these questions I had in there. Cause I had this question about, um, when one gets unstuck, how do, how do you get unstuck? How do you disengage? But I think I got a, I think I got a sense of that there. It's like being able to be in sort of multiple mediums. It's like, well, this is going to need this energy and this sort of requirement of me. And I can kind of dive into here for a bit. And, you know, this has got, I have this energy. I'm kind of riding this. This is going to sound ridiculous. This creative Holy ghost, you know, kind of riding this. And I definitely have heard folks talk about that where, I've heard anything from the sort of digital to analog loop. Like if you're doing something super digital, it's like, I need to do something with my hands. I can't be typing right now. Or even, even this thing, like, you know, I, I try not to write down any of my notes. I, tr I try I try to avoid writing down any of my notes for questions or ideas or who would I think would be an interesting interview? Like, I want to talk to a tap dancer for some reason. You know what I mean? Like, that's something I really want to do because I'm curious about, you know, how many blisters do you get? What's up with those bunions? How are your feet feeling, bro? I want to learn about that. And I might put that down as, all right, this is definitely something that's going to be digital. I need to send those emails out. I need to make sort of a list here. But when it comes down to like questions, because I want the imperfections in, I got a notepad. I've got the scratch out marks, all of that stuff, because I don't want to lose anything once I've tapped into whatever that creative source is. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're in this like creative funk, um, it's I feel like it's important to get out and speak to people because mm -hmm. a lot of times we can get it in our own heads. And so to just really be honest with people that you feel safe and that, you know, like, hey, I'm feeling funky and, you know, someone can just like pick you up a little bit or you just have that space where you can just kind of unload and like this is what I'm going through, like da 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 da, -da and just like see that you're not alone and that there's people out there um, that you can ask for help. Um, I was... Um, listening to someone that I do guided meditations with. And they said that depression comes from people who can't ask for help or speak up or express themselves. And that just really resonated with me. And it felt like it really hit home for me. It's like, wow. Um, so many of the times when you do feel depressed, you you're so depressed that you don't even like want to talk to anyone. And it's like, that's literally what you need at the moment is to like get out and hear some other new perspectives and, breathe some life into something that is stuck, you know, like there's, it's stuck. There's something there. It means that something is there. Um, it could be like a, a cry, it could be a yell, it could be a complaint to the world, you know, but it's like to get out that frustration, you know, meditation really, really helps me as well to, to get unstuck um, in terms of like just seeing what's there internally. All right. So I think that's a good spot for us to shift into this portion. And then we got some, you know, we got the rapid fire left and then we have like sort of the shameless plugs portion left. That's that opportunity, <laughs> that space opportunity. So um, rapid fire, you you know how this works. Uh, let's see. Here's the first one. You, you said, you know, colors are a thing for you, right? you know, so 
uh, what are three of your favorite colors? It was, what is your favorite color? And I was like, nope, you don't ask an artist that anymore. Uh, what are three of your favorite colors? And, you know, what do they mean to you? What do they represent to you? <clears throat> Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> um, so, you know, as artists do or whoever does, um, Obviously, like there isn't just one favorite, but like in the moment, or there's periods of where we have our like our favorite questions, our favorite colors. Purple is like always been my favorite color, so I'm just have to shout out purple. Purple's number one. Um, <laughs> orange, uh, purple, orange, red. Um, yeah, purple, orange, and red right now. And so for me, purple is like me. That's my aura. <laughs> purple aura. Um, <laughs> or that's my aura. <laughs> I'm purple. Um, red right now, I'm like channeling red because red is like the first chakra. And so that's that's your passion. That's your security. That's when you feel stable. That's when you feel connected to like this grounding, this earth. Um you know, like your survival, your fears, you know, facing your fears. And so having that um, strength and that passion to to love life and to, I mean, for me, passion is so interconnected with creative energy. Um, so it also also tied into that sexual creative energy. And so I'm channeling this passion to um, to give me that, that stable ground. Um, and orange is also a creative energy. And um, I don't think people speak enough about orange. <laughs> you know, initially I was gonna, I was just going to be very Homer about it. I'm like, yeah, you know, Ravens, Oreos, Terrapins, red, orange, purple. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, um, but I, I think it made a lot of sense what you said there. Because um, I look at some of the pictures, like I'm, people ask me like, yo, do you just take all of the pictures at the same time? And I was like, no, because my hair is at different degrees of baldness. So I'm taking it at different times, <laughs> but I'm always wearing that my burgundy hoodie. And I was like, oh, I'm wearing, wearing red. And burgundy is the shade of red that I like. I like to call it ox blood, the blood of my enemies. But mm -hmm. I, I like that for a reason. And it definitely sort of sort of connects. Um, I like these sort of mid-tones. I'm always in some mid-tone or black or something like that. And I... You know, my favorite color for a long time was gray, hence, and it just to me represents neutrality. Just some being somewhere in the middle, like it could be this, but it also could be this. And it's like think further, go deeper. That's literally the thinking I have there. Love it. Uh, where have you lived at longest? Uh, definitely Gaithersburg, Maryland, in Montgomery County. It is um, a suburb of DC. A big G. It's where it's um, MoCo. <laughs> um, if you know, you know about Montgomery Village. Shout out to the village. <laughs> oh, it's very inside baseball right there. I like it. Uh, let's see. I got two more for you. If you weren't an artist, what would your dream job be? You know, I was listening to an interview of Elon Musk and he says he wishes he could work less. And that meant 80 hours a week. And I was like, wow, I've got some work to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, inspiration. And, I, and then I was like, you gotta think big, you gotta think bigger. Like, 
And I really, I want to have like, dream job would be like some global representation. Like having, being on top of like a platform that reaches the globe and reaches the world so that my my ideas this this idea of being an artist of seeing the future and you know all of this decolonization and community building where all of this stuff can be on a platform that's speaking to a global audience so that i can um I can still be, you know, the artist, but like in a, <laughs> in a more of like a rep, you know, like a representational and a inspirational, like a public speaker or just someone that's um, speaking to nations and, and, and that's very sneaky governments <laughs> and governments, you know, right. Very, right? very sneaky. That was very sneaky. It's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I kind of want to take the message of me as an artist, but take it to a larger place. <laughs> communications person a conglomerate whatever you know <laughs> yeah okay. this is this is the last one uh if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life what would it be mm, wow okay so i might get some judgment on this I'm but i could eat oatmeal every day okay yeah yeah oatmeal fruits Dried oatmeal with some yogurt. Like, if I was stranded somewhere, oatmeal. Okay. I had to, I had to go real um, African American about, like, what you got in there, though? You know, those little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chia <meat>. seeds, <laughs> cinnamon, honey, whatever you got. It was no delay. It was just immediate, like, I, right, but also what's in it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mangoes. <laughs> that's very. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Mangoes are good. I have some dates downstairs. I need to get loose on a little bit. Um, so uh, so in, in these final moments here, one, I want to thank you for being on this podcast. It was a treat to chat with you. And um, two, I want to invite and encourage you to share anything you want in these final moments. And please include where folks can check you out, learn more about your work, social media, website, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Thank you. Yeah, there's lots of things cooking for this year. Um, people can follow me at we.r.field at Instagram to get updates. Also, uh, wearefield.art is the website. And um, I'm really excited to start my Embodied Arts project. Or, or I've already started this year. We started the Embodied Arts project, which is a platform for performance artists and embodiment guides to do performances, uh, performance video screenings and events, immersions, experiences. Um, and so there's a lot of um, virtual and in-person events coming. And um, within Field, the consulting platform that I have, we have um, courses, yearly courses. And so the next one that's coming up is our pleasure club. So we'll be talking about creative and sexual energy and embodiment work um, and creativity within our life in general. And um, yeah, that one's really special. And so I've, I've done that one already in Portuguese for Brazilians. And so now this year I'm going to do it both in English and in Portuguese. Um, and I always have my um, social awareness courses and embodiment um, workshops. So just stay in the loop. 
And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Adio Kalbakanch-Foster for coming onto the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it.